that we ask that, it'll actually produce something really powerful in our lives. Amen? Great. Good morning. Again, I uh, need to get on the right page on my iPad. Uh, this morning, I want to turn our attention uh, to uh, a passage of Scripture from the Old Testament. It's the sixth book of the Old Testament. Who knows what that is? Joshua. Great. Just thought I'd test you out. So um, in Joshua chapter 1, we'll go right to the very first chapter. And I want to read, uh, Joshua is a young man who God uh, commissions. This is his commissioning speech. And we're going to release the YPs right now. <laughs> All the young people, 12 and 13-year-olds, you are free to go. So... Uh, this is Joshua's commissioning speech by God Speaks to Joshua. Have you ever been to a commissioning service and someone's about to take up a position of authority? And, you know, there's usually some words that go along with that that are pretty important words that are kind of the, the tone and, and set the tone and direction for the rest of what they're about to do in their job or whatever it may be. And that's the kind of the situation here with um, Joshua. God speaks to Joshua very clearly and uh, he says some things that are really important. So uh, we had Joshua chapter 1. I have it on the screen, but please use your own Bible if you got it. Six, verses 6 to 9. And this is what it says. Be strong and courageous. This is God speaking to Joshua. Be strong and courageous because you will, you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give to them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and what? Successful. Okay. Success is sometimes we think, oh, um, really? You know, as Christians, should we be successful? Absolutely. Absolutely. Successful in all the right ways. Have I not commanded you? In verse 9, God says, what does he say? He emphasizes it again. He says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So here we go. The back story to this commissioning service for Joshua is that, of course, there's over a million people called the um, Israels. They're a Jewish nation. And they're called Israel, and, and they've come out of slavery, as many of us would know, out of you know um, some 40 years earlier, out of Egypt, and they've kind of trotted and walked through the desert for 40 years. They've had enough of desert living. Now they're on on the eastern side of the Jordan, and they can see that there's finally the promise that God gave them 40 years ago. They're about to walk across the Jordan and uh, take up the land, which is where they can now settle and stop wandering. Uh, they don't want to be nomadic anymore. They want to be settled. And so they're really excited. The promise is about to finally come to pass. If you know that you've been waiting for something for 40 years, you'd be pretty excited about it, wouldn't you? So the, the, the Jewish people are pretty excited. Mind you, um, all the ones that originally came out of Egypt um, had died in the desert. So the people that now are standing um, before the promised land are the ones who have been born in the desert, and now they're going to move into the into the promised land. So now Moses was led them through that period of 40 years. And Moses, he stood on this side of the Jordan, but he died at 120. Um, so he's passed away. Joshua, the, the, the apprentice, has now taken up the leadership of these people, millions of people, 
and God gives this commissioning speech, and he says, uh, it's time. And we see uh, the reality is, um, you know, and, and probably Joshua, maybe in what he was wanting to hear from God and what he heard from God were two different things. I kind of think that might have happened because if Joshua's about to go across the Jordan, there's one thing they've got to do on the other side of the Jordan, and that is they're going to have all these people come at them who are their enemies and want to attack them and pull them down and basically obliterate these Jewish people. And so Joshua probably thinking, God, I just want your battle strategy. I just want your battle plan. I just want to know how to do it. You know, there's a lot of people over there and we're going to take their land and they're not going to be excited about that. So I think Joshua was probably waiting for that. You know, what's the latest fighting techniques, God? Uh, uh, What's the battle plan? What's my to-do list, God? What's my to-do list? We'll take, uh, you know, will we take uh, Jericho first and then AI and then we'll just... You know, and that's how it unfolded. But it's interesting because God doesn't give him a portfolio of what to do. He doesn't give him a portfolio of what to do. He gives him a portfolio of how to live his life while he's doing it. Okay? He gives him a portfolio of how to live his life while he's doing it because the reality is God doesn't want Joshua to be taken out by some moral issue or some struggle um, you know, while he's fighting the battles. He doesn't want him to be taken out by something like that when he's fighting the battles. He, he knows that if you can keep the home fires burning brightly and everything happening well in your life, in your heart, in your mind, in your thinking, man, you can fight any battle. You can face any enemy, can't you? And so he doesn't give him a portfolio of a to-do list. He gives him a portfolio of, of how to live life while he's doing the list. Not that there was a list. So... You know, and I'm aware this morning, we all want wisdom and guidance, particularly in demanding times in our life. We all want, God, just give me what I'm to do. Because, you know, there's decisions to be made, there's emotions to be navigated, there's issues to be dealt with, there's attitudes to be checked. There's a lot of stuff that goes on in our minds and our hearts and our lives. And all of that, sometimes what it can seem is, God, you're silent. What? Give me the concrete answers I need. And you know, the reality is, is maybe that we've forgotten that God's already given us the concrete answers that we need. And it's contained in a wonderful book, and we call it the Bible. And it's not that God's silent. God has been speaking for thousands of years. He's actually written it down so that we have a historical record of it so that we can read it and actually find out exactly how to do life and exactly how to continue to do life successfully and prosper- with prosperity as well. He wants us to succeed. And, you know, maybe he's speaking, but he's sometimes not speaking how we think he should speak, but he's, or he's, he's spoken through his word. And if... We've maybe forgotten that we just got to open it and read it. Because when we do, he wants to speak to our hearts. And he wants to give us the plan how to do life while you're doing the battles. That's what he wants to do. 66 books. So this is one book, but 66 books, over 40 40 different authors. And they're all farmers and they're fishermen and they're Kings and their priests and their doctors and their whole bunch of different people wrote it. It's amazing. And yet we see incredible cohesion and we see incredible um, oneness in the book. It doesn't, um, you know, it doesn't look at one passage and it doesn't um, um, pull apart something else. It's, it's got this oneness about it. It's amazing. Um, the truth is, is that between, for 1,500 years, this book was being written between about uh, 1,450 years before Jesus Christ, B.C., to about 100 years 
AD, which is 100 years after Christ's birth generally, so about 1,500 years. And over that time period, it's amazing that the words that have been put in this book and the, an incredible thing. Do you know that it's, um, that it's the best-selling book in the world? 200,000 copies of this book are either sold or given away every day. That's a pretty good seller, isn't it? Wouldn't you like the uh, royalties from that? <laughs> you know, even the, one of the greatest, um, you know, it's been translated. It's been translated into over 2,000 languages. Even Shakespeare's literature was only translated into 50 languages, and yet the Bible's been translated into over 2,000. There must be something in here that people are interested in. There must be something. And you know, uh, and we sometimes want God to give us, God, just tell me. You know, just get someone to come along my path and tell me where to go and what to do. No, God doesn't often do that. He says, you know, it's not that he could. And he just says, I want to give you the principles of life. And if you just would take the time to read it, I'll inspire it and, and, and give you revelation from it into your heart. If you just take the time to do that, you know. So it's interesting because God says to Joshua in this passage three times, he says, be strong and what? courageous. He says it three times. Have you ever noticed in Scripture, if you go through this book, you'll find that whenever God really wants to emphasize something, he'll say it three times. He said to Peter, uh, you'll deny me three times. And then when he reinstated Peter, he said, do you love me three times? You know, it's just always those things. There's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit three times. It's, it's God's presence and God's way. Three, you know, it's amazing. But God says to Joshua, you know, be strong and courageous. And when he says it, he doesn't say it in relation to some battle plan. He says it in relation to Joshua keeping his word and not diverting to the left or to the right. He says, you've got to be strong and courageous to obey this. You've got to have some gumption in you. You've got to have some guts to get up and take God's word and live it. It's a powerful truth. So um, it's, it's uh, wonderful. So three times. Um, and it's interesting because the word, uh, 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 the word strong means to fasten upon. And the word courageous means to have a steadfast mind. In other words, God is saying, you seize my word and fasten it to your heart and have a steadfast mind in doing it. So it's a simple thought. Take a hold of it. Don't let it go and continue. Just do it. Take up Nike's motto. Just do it. Just continue. And when you don't feel like it, when, you're, when it's not happening well in life, you just continue to do it because there will come a day when, the, when you're doing it will bring you through. You know, uh, It's uh, incredible. And so that's what God says to Joshua. Uh, seize it, do it. That's what he's saying. Strong, courageous. Seize it, do it. Seize it, do it. Take a hold of it and do it. So... How do we keep the truth of God's word? How do we live every day uh, trying to navigate life and navigate the battles we face? Whether it's battles in relationships or just battles at work or battle the things we struggle with or the issues with people. or the How do we do it? How do we, how do we uh, face life? I want to tell you he's given us incredible truth to live life by. And, and so I want to just talk about that because we see God gave Joshua an outline of how to do life and actually succeed and succeed in that life so let's talk about that just some thoughts here on how Joshua how God spoke to Joshua and how God speaks to us today first thing that God says to Joshua in relation to his word he says this he says meditate upon it day and night just meditate upon it day and night interesting day and night God you know what I mean that means more than the reference of literally you know saying oh I've got to do 
Bible reading in the day and the night. And sometimes you don't necessarily you know, get to do that. But, you, but what it's really saying is all the time. Take the time to take some time to read it. To med- and just not read it, but to re- meditate. Because meditate means just to think upon. It means just to ponder upon. It just means to give time to, to just read it and understand it. And it literally means to do it again and, and, and read. And you know, when you've read that passage, why don't you even read it again? Read it again. Because our mind has thousands of thoughts going through it on a daily basis. Right now, you're thinking a whole bunch of thoughts. You say, gee, I like those shoes he's wearing. Uh, you know, some of you are saying, oh, that's a good, uh, I like that. Is that a girl or a boy up there? You know, you've got a hundred thoughts going through your head. So I've only probably got so much time before your thoughts are going to wander somewhere else. So, so, the more, so the point is, the more you can meditate and think about what's good and profitable and worthy of praise, the better for you. Because your brain is incredibly active. It's incredibly active. Psalm 19 verse 14 says, May these words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O God. So the meditations of my heart. So your mind and your heart are pretty much connected. They're almost one. And so what you think is, affects how you act sometimes and your thoughts and your, what's in your heart. And we, we've got our heart and mind uh, Got an incredible capacity to retain information, as I said. So we need to be careful what goes into our mind, what we meditate on, what we look at, what we hear. Sometimes, my my um, when I went to a rock concert, do you remember Hush? They came to Gladstone, and the reason I didn't go back is, you know, because I was supposed to be a good Christian boy, and um, and they got everybody to swear. It was bad. I thought this is not good. And I went away from that, that first rock concert, and I thought, that's this swear word blasting in my head, and I thought, oh, okay, that's not good, I don't need to, you know, and uh, I kind of gathered that wasn't the place for me, but, you know, unfortunately, I did enjoy it a little bit. <laughs> not the swearing, but, you know, the music. Skyhooks, Hush, uh, River, um, Bay City Rollers, <laughs> Countdown. <laughs> Anyway, we're looking at the Word of God. Stop it. Just stop that. It's disgusting. Anyway, what comes into your head? You know, can I, you know just practically speaking, 50 years ago, uh, the medical profession discovered that disease was mostly organic. You know, disease. You know, bacteria and things are mostly organic in origin. Do you know today, unfortunately, 75% of disease exists in our world starts from psychosomatic issues in the mind. Isn't that amazing? I, I read that and I thought, is that really true? And, 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 and see, that is disease, you could say, is, is because of dis-ease. There's dis-ease in our hearts in the world today. And, and people are not at peace with themselves or life or not at peace with God. And, and so what we say is that initially to get our mind under control and create all to- And unless we do, it can create all types of problems in, in it manifest in our physical body. You know, if you continue to have fear and anxiety, that can create stomach problems and, and, and all types of issues and stresses and worries and you don't eat properly. We all know that, don't we? But it's becoming so prevalent in our world today. And, you know, uh, you know people are taking more sleeping pills and more artificial ways to shut down their minds. And praise God for medicine. I'm grateful for it. I've had some medicine over the years. I'm thankful for it. But the reality is I think people sometimes medicate when maybe if only they would just stop and meditate. 
I'm not saying give up your medicines. I'm just saying that I think meditation done would would actually cease to to let those thoughts remain in your heart that are so destructive. And God's given us His historical record and truth. See Proverbs 40, 30 says, "A heart at peace brings life to the body, but bad emotions rot the bones." Far out. My, my grandfather died of um, um, bone cancer. Now, I'm not saying he died because he had bad thoughts, but I'm just saying, man, where did that come from? Scripture gives a possible answer. Maybe it's just destructive thoughts and fear and anxiety. So, you know, we can... Um, sometimes we can say to ourselves, well, you know, when I read God's Word, I don't get a lot out of it. And, and, and I want to just tell you, that's okay, because... Your job is not to get the revelation. Just hear me here. Your job is to just meditate upon it. And the Holy Spirit's job is to give you the revelation. But the truth is we never get the revelation unless we spend some time meditation, meditating on it. Instead of just reading it once and, oh, that's good. No, no, no. Read it again. And then read it again. And then read it again. See, see, we've got to understand that um, God's got the revelation there already for us. We just need to read it and receive it and read it again until we get it. And he'll give you direction in life. He'll give you guidance. He'll give you wisdom for life. Um, but we've got to meditate. Meditate is a, like, almost like going over it again. Going over, you know, a, a cow chews grass or the plant matter more than uh, once. Did you all know that? And sometimes we think, you know, the cow has actually, we say it's got three stomachs. Well, it actually hasn't got three stomachs. It's got one stomach, but it's got four compartments. And what happens is a cow gets some plant matter, that old wonderful cow. And I lived on a farm with cows, and it eats some grass, and it chews it. You know, the bottom jaw just rolls around, chew, and then it swallows it, doesn't it? It goes into the stomach, the first compartment in that stomach. And in that stomach, it's partly digested. And then it burps it back up. You got the picture? And then, you know, ever seen a cow? Ever seen a. Some of you do this with your dinner. And you chew it again. Think, oh, it's better the second time. Don't laugh. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And the, ever seen a cow look like it's chewing um, bubble gum? It's actually chewing it the second time. And it's getting, you know, a bit, bit wide around the mouth. And it's the cud, isn't it? It's chewing the, the plant matter again. And it's chewing it and crushing it. And then it, and then it swallows it again. It goes into the, the second compartment. And there it absorbs all the water out of that. And, now, and then it doesn't come up again. And it only chews it once. And then it goes into the third compartment. And, it, and there again, and the enzymes work and extracts the nutrition. And then it goes into the fourth compartment on the st- in the one stomach. And there it once again takes a little bit of something else. And then it takes, it either takes one of two ways, what I call the moo tube or the poo tube. And there we see the moo tube is where it produces the milk that you put on your cereal and your coffee and tea. You do not, please understand, you do not want the poo tube stuff on your cereal. But when we do not digest God's words, it's a bit like that. It's useless to us, isn't it? It's got no nutrition. No nutrition. But isn't it amazing that a cow can take plant matter and produce something so profitable for humanity? Milk. 
Isn't it an amazing process? God could only create that. But you know what? It takes a process of chew. And you know what? That chewing is the process of meditation that you and I need to take when we take God's word and start to read it and say, God, I just need to. See, you don't need to, get, you don't need to be some theologian. You just need to be a person who wants to just take a moment to read it more than once sometimes and study it. Say, what's this mean? Let me read that again. Ask the question of God. Holy Spirit, just reveal it to me. And the revelation and the light bulb moment can jump off the page and hit you in the heart when you start to just take a moment to digest it. I think we got the picture. Further thought on this whole thing of revelation and light. You know, my mum said to me many years ago, um, because she had uh, a camera with film in it. Remember those cameras with film in it? Who's still got one at home? <laughs> anyway, film is this plastic stuff that's in a little container, and you take it out of the container, and you put it in the back of the camera, and you close up the camera, and, and what happens is you, you used to take a picture, and the, the, the little um, shutter on the front of the camera would open and allow light in, and it would imprint on that film, that plastic stuff inside the camera and then you'd and then the the shutter would close so not too much light got in and uh, then you take the film when it's finished and they take it into a dark room and they bring it out in the dark room because they don't want any more lights getting on the film to destroy what's already on the film the light that's already been captured on the film and they then put it in some chemicals and they produce these wonderful color photos for you has anybody not heard of that process some of us under 15 and, and what happens is, is that that film gets developed in the dark room, of course, and, and you get a lovely picture. But now today, that doesn't happen because we've got digital and it's just produced on a, on, a, on, a, on a screen. And we can go and, of course, print those um, what's on the screen off. But it's interesting, isn't it? The camera doesn't produce the light. It just opens its shutter to let the light in. And you don't need to produce the revelational light, folks. You just need to open the Bible to let the light in. And when you do, it gets developed. And sometimes in the darkest of nights, you need development of God's word in your heart. And that's what he wants to help you with. That's why he wants you to read it and he wants you to meditate upon it. So it's important. Amen. Here's the second thought about what God told Joshua. He said, don't let it depart from your mouth. He said, he says, not, only, not only do you need to meditate upon it a lot, but don't let it depart from your mouth. This is interesting because there was an oral tradition. You know, what oral means speaking. Okay, there's an oral tradition in Israel's history. Before they wrote it down, before Moses wrote the first five books of the Old Testament, which is called the Pentateuch, they, they actually the stories of what happened in Adam and Eve's creation and and the world's creation and and then you know Abraham and all those wonderful things that happened and they were all just passed by word of mouth. You know, around the campfire or the dinner table, I'd lean. They, Recline, and they'd share the stories with the next generation. And that generation was share. They got to a point where Moses wrote it down, and uh, in the original language of Hebrew, and uh, and as it was written down, uh, it was recorded for all of us to see. And thank God that there was a man called Wycliffe. He translated it into English, and so we have the Bible today. But the fascinating thing is, there was an oral transition of proclaiming God's words, and that's why God says to Joshua, "Don't let it depart from your mouth." And, you know, um, it, it, it just says in John chapter 6 and verse 63, it says, The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Jesus said that. The words that I speak to you are they are spirit and they are life. In John six sixty three. So think about this. If God, when he spoke, 
back even in Genesis, his words produced something. It says in the beginning, he produced, he spoke and there was light. He spoke and there was a world. He spoke and the animals created. He spoke. His word was powerful. When he spoke, there was something powerful. The same spirit that God has, he's given to us. Now, we're not God, but his Holy Spirit can live in us so that it can empower the words that we speak can be life to us. So why wouldn't we take God's um, written word and speak it out in faith? And that's why I believe it says, don't let it depart from your mouth. What did it say this morning in the song? Don't let praise be on my lips. Let your praise be on my lips. I tell you what, praise to God on my lips is far better than any other rubbish that wants to come off my lips. It's not going to be edifying. I need to, because something powerful happens when we spoke. Who knows? There's life and death in the power of your tongue. And, you know, um, and we've got to be careful what we speak. So why not speak life? And so God says to Joshua, come on, let, don't let it depart from your mouth. Let it speak. You speak it out all the time, the truth. Um, things change when God spoke. If the same Spirit of God lives within us, who raised Christ from the dead, why can't things change when we speak truth? It mightn't happen straight away. Because God were, God's Word generates life. God's Word creates faith, produces change, puts fear in the devil. Causes miracles, heals hurts, builds character, transforms circumstances, imparts joy, overcomes adversity, defeats temptation, infuses hope, releases power, cleanses our mind, brings things into being and creates a better future as we speak his word. Why wouldn't you want God's word on your lips all the time? God's truth. It's a lot that we go around speaking in these and thous, you know. It's not like someone comes up to you and says, oh, what do I do? You, you, might, you don't necessarily speak it exactly like this, but you might say, hey, you know what? You know what? God wants to give you love and power, and he wants to give you a sound mind, and that fear needs to go. Second, you know, Second Timothy says that. You know, you, you could speak life. Why not speak life? The, words, uh, the word mouth literally means command. And so when it says, don't let it depart from your mouth, it's a command to speak the word. That's what God's saying. I'm commanding you, Joshua, to speak the word. The word you speak becomes the house. Listen to this. The word that you speak becomes the house that you live in. You create whatever your own nest. So you've got to be aware of that. Your house, what house are you living in? Uh, maybe today you're living in something of sense, a house of shame or pain or abuse or, or argument or regret or disunity or hurt. I tell you, you need to start to change that. Read his word and start to speak the truth over your circumstances by faith. It's, there's no power in this little book by itself, but allow the Holy Spirit to quicken it. Add the faith of God in your heart with it. And when you speak the word that God's not giving me a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind, and you believe it, that's exactly what can happen. It's not some magical thing, folks. It's just faith added with God's spoken word. When you say to myself, you know what, even though I feel like nothing of a conqueror, I believe in God. I'm more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus because he's powerful in me. It's him in me. It's, there's faith involved in that. We want to live in a house of blessing, not a house of shame and hurt. So, and there's things that need to depart from your mouth. We need to make sure that things like negativity and revenge and hatred and gossip and, 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 and blame and discord don't come out of our mouth. But you've got to say, those things have got to go. I need to speak life and truth. So God says, don't let it depart from your mouth, Joshua. 
Because there's going to be plenty of opportunity when you cross this river. The enemy's going to come at you hard, and you're going to think, we're, we're, you know, we can't possibly. You know, Joshua faced Jericho, walls so thick that the, the, the chariots could run around on top. How do you defeat a, a city like that? Well, God had a plan, didn't he? And you know what? Joshua just trusted God. And he walked around and the walls come down, amazing. But it was by faith that he just stood on the principles and, the, uh, and what God's word said and the, the reality of that. It's in the battle times that we face the difficult times. And that's when we need to speak the word of faith and truth. And I don't know how long it's going come, come to come to pass, what you want to see come to pass. But I want to tell you, if it's in accordance with God's will and his word, it'll come to pass. Don't, there's no doubt about that. It's this when that sometimes we'd rather it be today rather than tomorrow. But continue to speak truth. Here's the last thing. And we'll finish with this one. Because God says to Joshua, observe to do everything in it. Observe to do everything in it. In what? In his word. In his principles that he shares, observe to do everything. God said, come on, just do it. Just do it. And I'll just put it up there. Thanks, Jeff. Um, just do it. Keep obeying it. Uh, God says, don't turn to the left or to the right um, when he speaks to Josh. He says, don't turn to the left or right. Just keep on obeying what my principles of life. Keep on obeying them. Keep on obeying them. Yeah, you'll win the battles, but just keep on obeying the foundational truths of how to live this life. Keep on obeying it. Um, Jesus actually said, he, he gave this wonderful parable in Matthew chapter 7. He talks about two guys come along, they built two houses. One he built on the rock, one guy built on the rock, and the storm came, and it stood up to the, um, to the wind and the waves. Another guy built it on the sand, and his house collapsed when the wind and waves came. And Jesus said, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, whoever hears these words of mine and does them, just does it, I liken him to the wise man who built his house on the rock. You think about that. His word builds your life solid, something strong. God wants you to be a rock liver, not a sand dweller. He wants you to... He wants you to stand strong. He wants you just to, because we can read it. And if we read it and we get some light out of it, but go away and not then maybe apply it. Um, the Bible actually says something about itself. It says you're like a person who looks in the mirror and forgets what your reflection looks like. But you need to take it, remember it, and then say, what do I need to do? Is there an action to carry out? Is there a way, is there a, a thing to, to deal with? Is there a correction that I need to take? One thing I've found about God's Word, before it makes you glad, it'll make you mad sometimes. You'll read it and say, oh, that's for me, but I don't like it. But it's only wanting to give you life. It only wants to bring hope and help into your life. It says in verse 12, of God's word in, in one of the New Testament books, and I've forgotten the book it is, but it, I think it's Hebrews uh, or Timothy. It says, The word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. So God's word gets down there in our, and it divides. The soul is like our fleshly person, and it's all those lusts and those things that we want. And then the spirit is what God's side that wants to bring life to us. 
And it wants to, the Word of God gets in there and it's, and it's going to show us what is just fleshly and what is spiritual, what is hope, what's the future. And it's going to challenge us. And the Bible says that He wants us to walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. And I've discovered that if I get a hold of God's Word, I can't walk in the Spirit without God's Word in my heart. I can't, I can't walk in His ways. It's not some spiritual. You don't walk three feet above the ground and you're just so spiritual. No, it's just living every day, living the truth, living right. And you've discovered as you've just read God's Word. Um, so Jesus says to the Jews... To the Jewish people who believe in him, in John chapter 8, he says, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples. Indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's what God's word wants to do. It might make you mad, but it'll set you free. It'll set you free. It'll set you free from the, the burdens of revenge. It'll set you free from the burden of just, um, you know, abuse and the pain and the hurt and the unforgiveness. It'll set you free as you take God's word, read it, meditate upon it, chew upon it, and then let the Holy Spirit continue to reveal truth to you. Mixed with faith, man, it's powerful. It's powerful. Can we stand this morning? I just would love to pray for you today, just to pray where you are today. But church... In 2018, I know it's February already, but God has got good things. He wants you to be successful in life. He wants you to be successful in the areas of just, you know, dealing with people, dealing with circumstances, handling situations better. Um, he wants you just to be successful and just be that good worker, reliable person, committed, um, loving your wife, loving your husband, loving your kids, loving your parents, loving your siblings. Just, it's just the basic things that we all are foundational to life, that's success. If I die at the end of this life and I've been married to the same woman and my kids still love me, I reckon that's pretty successful. Uh, one of the things, that's not the only thing. I think it's pretty successful if you could just go through life and knowing that you've got a, had a relationship and you've done your best to love people, love life. I think that's pretty successful. Now, there's other elements of success, and I do not in any way want to hurt anybody today that maybe those relationships aren't going so well, but I want to tell you, just love the unlovely, and I tell you, God, that's success. So you continue to do your bit. And God says His Word is life to us today. We need to hang upon it and hold it in our hands. So let me pray today. Father, today, we as a group of people thank you that you've given us your historical record of truth to live by. I thank you, Jesus, for your words and your words of life to us. Father, I pray for every person today that we would be people that would not, uh, would not just skim over your truth, but we would take the time to, in your word, whatever that may mean for us, whether it's at 15 minutes in the morning or whatever, the nights or sometime during the day. Father, that we would just... Maybe not go for quantity, but just quality. And it might be 10 verses that we just continue to read. But help us to understand and receive your truth into our hearts. Help us to be receptive. Holy Spirit, quicken it. Help us to realize, Father, that we just need to read it. And you'll bring the light in. You'll bring the revelation in. Help us, Father, to be people that would be consistent, meditate, chew on it. And then, Father, help us to be people that would do it. Because you want to bring success and blessing. Just to do it. 
And even when it makes us mad, Lord, and when we don't, you know, we struggle to do it, God, help us just to know that your strength is there to help us to follow through. So, Father, we commit ourselves to you today. Every person here, Father, we just lay up our lives before you and ask you for help. Because we don't do it well sometimes, but we need your strength to do it. In Jesus' name, we ask these things and we commit ourselves to you. And we give you all the honor and all the praise. And everyone agree, said? Amen. Come on, let's just sing this song for a moment this morning. Worship Him. Come on, as we just come.